Hello, and welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online service. Our theme for this year is Plus One, which encourages us to invite someone to join us in worship and fellowship. Our mission statement is simple. It's loving God, loving people, and loving life. We hope that this message will serve as a source of inspiration and encouragement for you. Each episode, we will explore different aspects of our faith, share stories of hope and healing, and discuss ways we can make a positive impact in our community and the world. So whether you're a longtime member of our church or just tuning in for the first time, we welcome you to join us on this journey. Let's make 2023 a year of growth, both for ourselves and for those around us. Thanks for listening. Here we go. Amen. Praise God. Are you glad you came to church this morning? Amen. Hey, also just real quickly, just want to remind you uh, before we get into the message this morning is that we have Impact Leadership Academy that is here tonight at 6 p.m. It is session number two. And listen, I was so encouraged just to see as many people as we had. I mean, we had a full house of people coming and being a part of that. That's encouraging to me because it just tells me that people are eager to see God move in the hour that we're living in. So if you serve, if you're a leader, listen, I want you to be here because, again, as you're walking with us, you begin to talk like us. As we begin to serve together, we serve like one another, and therefore we're, we're, we're uh, moving together in unity and harmony, and that gets much more done and more effective if we're going in the same direction, the same way, the same time. And so, listen, thank you so much for those that have come. If you didn't come and you're a leader, a server, listen, be here tonight at 6 p.m., and again, we're going to have a good time and We'll see you then, all right? All right, praise the Lord. Are you ready to get into the message this morning? Amen. Uh, thanks for those that are tuning in online. I think we came in a little bit uh, late today, but again, glad that you're tuning in and excited for what God has for us. And we're just believing God for increase this year. How many of you are, are believing God for more? Amen. Uh, I said to you something that God spoke to my heart this year is that we're coming up higher. Amen. So that means that there's a place where we are or have been, and God is saying it's time to come up higher. And I said that in regards to the message that God gave us for this beginning part of the year is that we are purposing to live under the blessing of God. Now, when I say live under the blessing, I don't mean to be subservient to it, but mean to be enveloped by it. Amen. And so that means that it's on us, around us, with us, and everybody that comes in contact with us comes in contact with the blessing of God. But in doing so, we have to purpose to think like the kingdom of God, or in other words, think like God thinks. And that's not a difficult thing because the Bible says that his will and his heart is found in the word of God. So many people say, well, I will be done, Lord. If it's your will, let it be done. No, the scripture tells us we can know the will of God. That's why we can begin to exercise faith. Amen? But I believe for the longest time that so many, and myself included, have lived in a place of just being moved by circumstances, kind of getting caught up in the current of the current affairs of life, and God is saying it's time to come up higher. Amen. I think I said last week in regards to uh, the prices of things in life, I said a, a dozen of eggs were three fifty. My wife went to the grocery store last night for a dozen and a half, 18 eggs, seven fifty. 
Man, I'm telling you what, you start looking at some, some things, it will cause you to rock on your heels and say, whoa, what is going on in this world? Right? But how many of you know, we serve a great God. Amen. Amen. And therefore, we're not living or being subject to the world system and saying, oh, dear God, it's $7.50 for some eggs. I don't care if it gets up to 12 bucks of eggs. It doesn't move God. Amen. In fact, for that matter, God may just give me a chicken. I don't know, but praise God. I know that I'm not going to be moved by the price of eggs. I mean, we just, might, we just might go over to Sim's house and start stealing eggs over from Sim's. I mean, he's got eggs. He says to his wife, he says, what are you doing with the eggs? The, the hens aren't laying them anymore. It's no pastor stealing them. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Again, it's easy to get caught up in the affairs of life, but God wants us to come up higher, think like the kingdom of God so that we can function like the people of God in this hour because there is dark days ahead of us hard times that are coming and it's going to affect everybody but those that are the people of God that are walking in faith won't be under the circumstances will walk under the blessing amen? amen now I said to you that I'm just as susceptible as uh, being affected by as anybody else and I, I'm going to tell you that getting to that place is subtle. It doesn't just happen overnight. I, I've purposed, you know, to walk by the word, live by the word, be a, a, a man of faith. You know, we're trusting God. But over time, you can begin to step back and realize you have become subject to the affairs of life. And it has never become more apparent to me or affected me or I guess where, the God, where God just kind of shook me up was during the season of COVID. And during that season, it also exposed just really where a lot of people are. I mean, when COVID came on, I mean, it was amazing how it revealed how many people trust God or live according to the world system. And I don't say that to be critical. It exposed a major hole within the church. There are those that are panicking and, and are full of fear. Oh, dear God, did you hear? And my, my thought was, well, oh, dear God, didn't you hear about what God said? You know what I'm saying? And I don't say that again to be snarky or to be critical, but it exposed some things in regards to where we are as the people of God, not just our church, but across the board. But in the middle of that, the Lord started dealing with me in regards to my own personal walk with God, personally, and as a pastor concerning ministry and what God's called us to. And the Lord said to me, he said, you've been accustomed and come to a place where all you do is use your faith to survive. But I've called you to thrive. Amen. Now, once again, you can use and exercise faith to survive just as well as you can exercise your faith to thrive. But the Lord said to me. You have come to a place where you have just gotten by. And yes, you're using your faith, but you're just getting by. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And as I said, how it has become subtle is that over time you start to think differently, talk differently, and act differently. And I started to realize as the Lord started to expose this or reveal this to me, that I just come to a place where I've just gotten extremely frugal with life. 
And I'm really frugal with just finances. I purpose to be a good steward. But I found that I just got extremely frugal with life and thought, well, that's just being wise and that's just being a good steward. Well, you realize there's some wisdom to that. But you can also find out that you're in nothing more than doubt and unbelief or really just trying to survive. What do I mean by that? Well, I'm saying that I've gotten to a place or got to a place where it's just like, well, this is where I'm at. This is my means and this is... Uh, uh, what I can afford. And so you became so accustomed that when a thought came, you just rejected it. Well, that's, that, you know, we're just not there, so we just don't even entertain the thought. You know, why entertain a thought and get your hopes up or entertain a thought, put yourself in debt because that's not where we're at right now. And so, therefore, we're just going to be good stewards. And so you end up allowing circumstances and really the, the, the place that you're at to shrink your thinking and shrink your faith and your faith and your thinking is all according to what you have does that make sense God has never said live according to what you have he says live according to living and walking by faith and we said that we're purposing to live under the blessing amen and so God has begun to do something in my heart, especially over the last two years, that I have said, I will never go back to living that way again. Because God has called us to do too much. He has called us to make a greater impact. And if we look at what we have to determine whether we can have permission to do that, then we will stay, stay stagnant, stay still in the place and where we're at. How many of you have ever said, well, my income is fixed? Well, what does fix or what is a definition of fixed mean? Fixed means to stay stuck, right? So in other words, if I have a fixed income for whatever reason, then what I'm saying is I am stuck right here and I can't go anywhere, right? God has never called us to stay stuck. He said, I've called you to go from faith to faith, to faith, from glory to glory to glory. And every step we take is a step of elevation of coming up higher. Amen. And so God doesn't want us to get fixed or get stuck in the circumstances or being given permission to do or can't do based upon where we find ourselves in life. Let me give you, again, just a little bit of a repeat in regards to some things that we've shared. If you haven't been here so far, you can go back and listen to them online. But in Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 28, the Bible says that in creation or when God made man, he said, be blessed, and then followed that up by saying, be fruitful and multiply and have dominion. God blessed man and said, be fruitful and multiply. The only reason that he could be fruitful and multiply is because God blessed them or stepped in and entered, to a, entered into a covenant with him and said, I bless you, and because you're under my blessing, you can be fruitful and multiply. Amen. Now, over in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22, it says, It's the blessing of the Lord. It maketh one rich and adds no sorrow. Did you see that? The blessing of the Lord, it maketh one rich and adds no sorrow. So if you found yourself living in sorrow, then you're not living under the blessing. You've come out from underneath of it. 
He said, it, the blessing. Well, listen, I need to get a raise in my job, or I need to get a new job, or I need to get a second job because I don't have enough. No, the blessing makes one rich and adds no sorrow. Now, before you allow that word rich to mess with your thinking, put it in context. The word rich means abundantly provided for a full supply. To be blessed, to be rich, is to have a full supply abundantly provided for. And once again, when we talk about being blessed or being rich, we immediately say it's about money. Listen, I want my marriage blessed. I want my kids blessed. I want my ministry blessed. I want you blessed. Listen, I want my little doggy blessed. Amen. So don't just look at it and say, oh, you're talking about money, Pastor. No, I'm talking about the blessing of the Lord. Amen. You know, my, my little dog, about this is about three years ago, he started getting a little uh, skin allergy. And he was itching all the time, licking his paws. And I mean, his ears were bleeding. His paws were almost raw because he was licking and itching and all this other stuff. So he went to the doctor and the doctor said he's got a skin allergy. And he said, you know, they don't have a generic drug for this. So we'll have to give you the real deal. And it was like 75 bucks a month just to have my dog be on medication so he wasn't itching. And I said, my dog is blessed. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 28, it says that your livestock will be blessed. Well, my little doggy is my livestock. It's my animal. And I said, so my little doggy has to be blessed. A full supply, abundantly provided for. And I don't want to have to spend $1,000 a year just so he don't itch. Come on. And so I thought, well, you know what? There's wisdom that God could give us. So I started to look it up, and, and I saw online, well, just feed your dog some yogurt. If you feed your dog some yogurt, it, it will uh, affect some of those skin allergies. You know what? My dog has been eating Dan and yogurt for about the last three years. And he don't have any skin issues. And I'm not spending $1,000. And my little dog, at 7 o'clock at night, he comes all perky. <laughs> and you're like, what do you want? What do you want? <laughs> and he's telling you, give me some yogurt. And the way he struts around, he's like, I'm blessed. <laughs> I'm blessed. <laughs> Why? Because, again, we believe that God can answer prayers and that he intervenes in our life. You might say, well, are you talking about money? Well, I'm telling you what, the blessing on my dog saved me some money. $1,000 that I can go hunting and fishing with. <laughs> my wife says, well, wait a minute. <laughs> But listen, it's interesting how we think about this and how we thought about it in, so incorrectly for so long. And so today I'm going to talk specifically about our giving and about just the blessing of the Lord. So don't, don't let it move you today because everybody just loves it when you talk about giving and finances in church. And, and I, I'm of the persuasion that, you know, the Bible was written over 2,000 years ago. You realize that, right? But I think that people in church nowadays think that we rewrote the Bible last week and just, just so that we could use it to tell you, hey, God wants you to give money. No, this is something that God has put in his word over 2,000 years ago, in some places, 5,000 years ago, and it's really the principles of the blessing of God of how he wants us to increase. Joe, he shared the scripture. He gives us power to get wealth. Do you know that the word power is also translated as wealth? So in other words, he gives you wealth to get wealth. 
But here's the thing. There are three, three views of how people see money. There is the lower class or what you might call poor people. They look at money as a means just to pay bills. Then there's the middle class. They look at money as a means to get credit and then continually pay on that credit over time. And they stay in debt. And then there are those that are in the upper class or the people that have money. And the way that they see money is they look at money as a means to make money. And isn't it interesting that we look at people in the world and say, Oh, yeah, look at you. You drive that car. You live in that house. And Right? Get all righteous and indignant because they have something. But their mindset of how they see money is different. And God said in Deuteronomy 28, he says, I've given you wealth to get well. So in other words, he says, I told you in the blessing you'd be rich. So start thinking like a rich person. Rather than just trying to go into debt or just trying to get your bills and your, your needs met, he says, I've called you to be blessed, to have a full supply abundantly provided for. Amen. And once again, I know that this really just kind of uh, grinds some people's gears when you start talking about the blessing of the Lord because we've been so accustomed to living under in such a lower level of life. But God is calling us up higher. And the reason that this is significant and important for you is because of the time that we're living in. I said to you, dozen and a half of eggs, $7.50. What happens when the gas prices go up? And electric goes up and everything goes up and you're like well, what's even the use to even go to work I mean I can't even afford what I have right it's a good time to start thinking like the kingdom because that's who we are can somebody say amen amen, amen. all right so we said that rich is this it's a full supply to be abundantly provided for I said to you that I have been guilty as anyone else where I found myself just surviving just getting by and it's not a fun place to be I mean when the doctor says your child needs braces well that'd be great but you know we're just not there so honey you're gonna be called snaggletooth for the rest of your life <laughs> no God wants us to have a full supply amen all right second Corinthians chapter 9 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 6. Now, as we start to read these scriptures, I said that my endeavor in my attempt is to help us come up higher, think higher, and begin to live under the blessing. Now, in the context of what we're going to talk about this morning, this is all pertaining to one's giving. Because our giving has a direct correlation of uh, provoking the blessing of God in our life. And we'll talk more about that and you'll see it a little bit more clearly. But once again, as we share some verses this morning, you have to understand that it is directly connected to somebody that gave prior to. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 6, notice what it says here. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now let's pause for just a minute. 
He says, so. So he's liking it unto planting seed, does he not? He who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Well, this is a biblical principle, and it's one that we understand just from natural common sense. If you were to plant two ear or two uh, kernels of corn over here, and you were to plant 20 kernels of corn over here, you, you sow or plant sparingly here, are you going to reap a harvest over here? Yes. It, are those two seeds going to multiply and increase of what was sown? Yes. But if you sow sparingly, the reaping or the return is smaller, yet it is multiplied. But I'm over here, and I planted 20 seeds. Is the increase over here going to be more, the fruit or the return, is it going to be more than that which was over here? Is that math problem too big? <laughs> you all must have went to Clio with me at some point in time. <laughs> No, it's, it's a given, right? If I sow or plant 20 kernels of corn, the fruit or the increase is just going to be more. And so God is not making a distinction of, of being critical. He's just bringing it to our attention. The manner in which you sow is the manner in which you're going to reap. You tracking with me? Let's look in verse 7. So let each person or each one Give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. In verse 7, notice what it says. It says, the person that sows, when he does so, purposes, or he does it purposing in his heart. His heart is not the blood pumping thing. He's really talking about the spirit of a man. He says, when you give or when you sow, purpose in your heart or your spirit. Do you have a purpose? And see, this is the big distinction in regards to individuals. It means that there is an intentionality behind why we give. There are a lot of people in church that when it comes to the tithe, when it comes to their giving, they're like... No, that's not for me. Thank you very much. Well, why? Because they're not coming with a purpose. Right? Or you could also say it this way. That purpose really is nothing more, or I should say, purpose is what you could call Bible hope. If you purpose in your heart, the Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That word hope is a confident expectation. So in other words, when you planted the two kernels of corn, you had a confident expectation. Harvest was coming. Right? So he says the person that purposes in his heart has an expectation of it to do something. Right? So in other words, there's a whole lot of people that are coming to church that are not expecting a whole lot of anything. Because if I was expecting something, I would come and say, God, woo, it's time to sow some seed or it's time to be a giver. And I'm purposing in my heart. But once again, notice this. It says uh, uh, that uh, uh, now abides faith, hope, and love. So now when you have hope or when you have purpose, it is directly connected to faith. 
Faith is the substance of your hope. So in other words, the reason why I'm giving is because I'm trusting God. And because I'm trusting God, I have hope and an expectation that it's going to produce something. But then it says also, faith, hope, and love. And it says that faith worketh by love. So in other words, it's my love for God and love for people. That's the whole reason why I purpose to give. And praise the Lord, I'm expecting something good to happen. Woo, praise God. So in other words, it's not leaving my life. It's not just leaving my hand. It's impacting eternity and my present day circumstances because God is faithful to his word listen to me in regards to this the, the Bible says this that the word is seed and whenever you sow seed it reproduces so what am I endeavoring to do today I'm endeavoring to share the seed of God's word so that it produces faith so that you can begin to step out beyond where you've been, come up higher, and say, God, I'm looking to live under the blessing. But now, once again, we have the purpose to trust God. And I said to you that that particular verse that we just read was in conjunction to somebody that gave. Now, you might say, you know what? I hate these messages because you always put the pressure on me so that I have to give. Listen, I don't want you to give. If you don't want to give, don't give. Don't ever feel like we're putting pressure on you. Because the only reason that we talk about giving is so that you can be blessed. And I'm going to keep on talking until you have faith. I'm going to keep preaching the word until the seed of God's word produces fruit. And you start to say, you know what? I think I'm going to try to believe God for that. But until then, just hold on to your money. Because I don't want you to give, you know, dear God, they always ask me for, for no, I'm, I'm given opportunities for the blessing to come on your life. Right? So I'm just believing God with you. Amen. All right, so it says to purpose in our heart. So now I want to ask you a question. This might seem like a little sidestep, but I, it'll tie in with what we're sharing this morning in regards to Jesus why did Jesus come now the initial response is well he came to die for our sins yeah he did but the sin put man in a condition that they were never meant to be in in fact he came to restore mankind to the place that they were originally at. What was the original place? Be blessed. Be fruitful. Multiply. And have dominion. So yes. He came to die and pay the penalty for sin. That caused us to be removed from the blessing. Or for the blessing not to be active in our life. But he said I've come to fix what Adam messed up. Amen. Let me share a scripture with you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, just to help you see this. Jesus came so that once again, we could be fruitful to multiply and to have dominion. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 44. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. 
There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. Verse 45, and so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a giving spirit. Did you recognize or see that God called Jesus the last Adam? Why did he call him the last Adam? Because he was coming to restore or fix what the first Adam did. And the Bible says that no one can annul what Jesus did. You can't change it. So therefore, it's forever settled. Jesus is the last Adam. Therefore, the blessing is available for you and I to be fruitful and multiply and have dominion. And the devil can't do nothing about it, praise God. He's called us to be blessed, to live under the blessing. In this year, 2023, blessing can hit my business. And I can increase this year. When everybody else is saying, man, I don't, I don't have any work. Man, everything's shutting down. I'm having to let people off. You're like, dear God, I need to hire your people. I'm running, I'm running behind, man. I, can you give me some references? Right? When everybody else's business that you work for, they're shutting their door, but your business that you work for seems to, to be thriving. And they're like, dear God, I don't know what's happening. And you can just say to them, you know, the reason why you're so blessed is because I work for you. The blessing's on my life, and because I'm here and we're working together, uh, the blessing is coming on your, 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 your business. Amen. God wants us to be blessed. All right, let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I stopped there at, at verse 7, but let's go back to verse 7 for a moment. It says, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Amen. So my question for you is, before we get to uh, uh, continue with that verse, I just want to ask you the question, why do people struggle with tithe and offering? Because they see it as subtraction. They don't see that there is a purpose why do people get mad when you talk about giving? Because they don't see that there is a purpose that blesses their life. Why aren't people a cheerful giver? Because once again, they see it as subtraction. I mean, it's always interesting when you see somebody, they put the offering in the bucket and they watch the bucket go down the aisle the whole way down. There it, there it goes. I want to run and get that back. <laughs> ah, come on, you know what I'm talking about. We've all been there at some. But the reason, the reason why we watch the bucket go down the aisle and we're like, oh dear God, I'm giver's remorse is because we've lost sight of the purpose. And reckon, not recognizing, hey, listen, I just tapped into the blessing of God. And therefore, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh me rich, adds no sorrow. I have a full supply and I'm abundantly provided for Amen. Now, as I said, we have to stir up our mind to think like the kingdom. Why did I get myself into a place where I said as a pastor, as a ministry, as a, as a person, that I was just surviving? It's because I did not allow myself to be stirred up or renew my thinking concerning God's favor. I started looking at circumstances. 
But once again, it says that they're a cheerful giver. Well, why am I cheerful? Because I have purpose. Amen. Now, let me ask you this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step on toes, okay? I'm going to step on toes. I'm, I'm, I'm just giving you the heads up. Why do you think? Now, again, say it out loud just so I make sure you heard me. Pastor, say this, is getting ready to step on your toes. All right, just want to make sure you hear that. All right. So, the Bible says be a cheerful giver. And the reason that I'm cheerful is because there's a purpose behind it. And the purpose is that I'm believing there's a harvest. Now, my question for you is this. Has anybody have a spouse that is not cheerful to come to church? Don't raise your hand now. Does anybody have children that are not cheerful to go to church? Don't raise your hand. Could it be? Now, again, I don't know. I didn't look at the books. I don't know the numbers, all right? I'm just I'm asking the question. Could it be that the lack of cheer about God is because, you know what, I don't have purpose. I don't see no purpose for it. In fact, it just flat makes me mad that you take up offering every week. Woo! But man, if I get cheerful, if I, I put purpose on my giving, oh, it just might change the culture of my home. Why? Because I'm giving with intentionality. I'm thinking differently. And doggone it, my house is going to be under the blessing of God. Amen. Amen. It's changing. Praise the Lord. Now, did I soften that up? What? I didn't step on your toes too bad, did I? All right, all right, all right, all right, good. God, <laughs> step on him, he says. Easy for you to say. <laughs> God loves a cheerful giver. So in other words, getting excited to do it. Why do I get cheerful? Because I do it in faith. God, I trust you. Are you doing okay? All right, let's continue with the next verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. Now, it says that God loves a cheerful giver. And because I'm a cheerful giver, verse 8 says, and God is able. Woo! So in other words, my cheerful, generous heart that has purpose connected to it enables God to do something. So you mean my stinky attitude could maybe disable God? Yeah, you betcha. He says, my cheerful giving and God is able. Now what's he able to do? To make all grace abound towards you. He says your cheerful attitude causes God's grace to abound. I mean, this is an overflow measure to abound towards you. Well, what kind of grace is abounding towards me? I'm glad you asked. It goes on to say this. This is the kind of grace that you, say me, that you always having all. This grace Causes you to always having all. Well, I'm on a fixed income. Well, stop fixing it. 
Stop looking at what you have or the limitations of what you have and say, you know what? God says when I'm a giver, when I get happy about it, get purpose behind it, somehow God makes his grace abound towards me and therefore I always have all. Remember I said that how I had been before or the place that I got into is that my thinking became limited. Well, I don't have, so don't even think there. Well, wouldn't it be great to go? You know, you start talking with people. Oh, man, Hawaii is so beautiful. Wouldn't it be great to go to Hawaii? Well, praise the Lord, that would be. But you know what? I don't even think that way because you know what? I, we're not right there right now. So it's, why even think about that? You know, no even, there's no use to even entertain it. And again, you thought you got frugal. You thought you were being a good steward. You thought you were being so wise. No, you just got into a place of poverty thinking. And you were limited because all you saw was what you fixed. But God says, His grace makes you always have all sufficiency in all things, and that it may have an abundance for every good work. Woo! Praise the Lord. Come on, is this making you a little bit more happy? I mean, twelve and a half dollar eggs. Who cares? Praise! I have all sufficiency in all things. I'm going to steal them from Sims House. Praise the Lord! <laughs> I always have. Praise the Lord! It abounds to every good work. If you believe in now, now once again, let me. It's real easy to say, you know what? You know, this particular church, that particular church, our church, man, it's small. You know, there's not, there's, it's not a real big church. It seems like there's limitations. You know, boy, it sure would be great to do this or to do that. Yes, it would, and obviously it takes money. But then once again, you start saying, well, you know, and you start to whine, and you start you know, and you start to look at deficiency, of what could be or should be, but you realize it takes people coming together to trust God to supply seed, and then God multiplies it. So in other words, God multiplies you, multiplies the work, and then you have a greater impact of influence with the community. But then it's always wonderful where you got the people that are sitting back with their arms crossed, and then like, you know, well, you know, the church down their own, you know, they're doing this, you know, and you know, you know, my family enjoys their things over there, and you know, it's wonderful. And, you know, uh, man, I wish we could do things like that down there. All the while, all the while, you don't have any purpose. You're not giving, and therefore you ask, well, how come there's not greater purpose with the ministry? Well, in order for there to be greater purpose, people have to express purpose or be givers. Does that make sense? And once again, not that God is subject to you. In fact, let me just say this real quickly. We'll wind this down. Uh, there's been something that the Lord has told me to do. Just to, It's been a few years now, and I've been slow to do it. Just been slow to do it. And just in recent uh, uh, weeks, I saw somebody else doing it in the area and I got mad about it I'm like God what's up with that they're doing that thing and the Lord says well how many times did I have to talk to you about doing it and you didn't do it so if you didn't do it I had to ask somebody else to do it I'm like 
I mean, you talk about getting punched in the gut, you know. So what am I saying? In regards to your giving, in regards to the purpose of ministry, that's why you're here, so that God can bless you. So that you can add to the purpose of the ministry for the good work. But if you don't do it, God will bring somebody else. Because again, he's not going to be defeated or subject to your willingness to do or not do. So therefore, hey, God's faithful, right? But we might as well partner together and say, praise God, if somebody's going to get blessed, if somebody's going to be rich, it's going to be me, baby. Come on, because I'm going to trust God. And you might say, well, oh, where do I start? Remember, he says, he who sows sparing or sows little reaps. Start out little. Just start to trust God. And then you'll begin to see God's faithfulness. Amen? All right, we're running short on time, so let me close with this. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. It says, Now he that ministereth seed to the sower. Now, once again, he's referencing the seed to giving or finances. Now, he that ministereth seed to the sower, both ministers or ministers bread for your food and multiplies the seed sown and increases the fruit of your righteousness. How does God supply seed? He does it through us. I said he does it through us. As you become a supply, as you begin to trust God, God will bring a supply to you. I said to you that you don't have to live on a fixed income. Take Take the parameters off God. You might say, well, if I start making more money, then the government might start coming and messing with my stuff, and that messes up my whole system that I got going on right now. Listen, if God sends or gets somebody to send you a check in the mail and it's a gift, you don't have to claim no gift. You hearing me? God knows how to work the system better than you know how to work the system. Amen. Why don't we stand? Did you do okay this morning? We try to make light of things just so that again it's not so serious. But it is a serious matter because God wants to bless you. He wants his kids. He wants his kids to be his billboard. Amen? I mean, I know it's fashionable to have holes in your clothes nowadays. But God don't want his kids going around with raggedy-taggedy clothes and saying, hey, look at how good I bless my kids. Now, you might have to advertise that. Hey, wait a minute. These holes are designer holes. I, I paid for these holes, baby. Okay. But God wants you to advertise his goodness, his increase. And I know that I've shared this story with you a number of times. But this was just a matter. This was, I think, the year before COVID. There were some things that we were just believing God for. Things that, you know, again, you're always looking at what you want to do. And sometimes you allow yourself to be limited by the numbers and say, well, we can't do this. But God supplies. I mentioned it to you that a pastor friend from uh, Cranberry, Pennsylvania, came to Michigan. There was a minister's thing that we were doing. And 
my wife and I said, hey, can we just meet with you just to chat with you? It's been a little while. I just wanted to connect with you, blah, blah, blah. And he says, well, I, I got to fly right out after the conference. He says, but meet me at the hotel. We'll sit down there in the lobby. And he said, we'll just chat a little while. I said, I'd love to catch up. And so we did. And that was actually the first time that he had met my wife. I have gone over there several times once a year just to kind of connect with him and his church is like around 20,000 and so man I get to hang out with these big thinkers you know listen that, that's also something that you need to do if you're hanging around little thinkers get some big thinkers if you're hanging around carnal people get some righteous people amen because if you hang around carnal people you'll be carnal that maybe they keep being a carnal because you you just choose to be carnal maybe you just act like a Christian and they'll become a Christian all right so okay just, anyways that's next week's sermon all right <laughs> <laughs> but anyways we're talking here with this this minister and just by the end of the conversation he says you know what he said it is it just feels right to my heart he said listen he said i'm gonna send you a check for twenty thousand dollars just want to be a blessing to your ministry blah 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 and i'm like "Woo! come on jesus now let me just tell you when i was young starting in ministry I purposed, I, I, one of my mentors, I know I'm going along, but this is going to serve you well, okay? When I was young, I heard Reverend Kenneth Hagin say, you know, I began to, to trust God for finances, and I started out by believing God for this amount. And so while I was in Bible college, I said, God, I'm believing you for a one-time gift of $1,000. I'm just putting my faith out there. And the week before I left to go home from Oklahoma, there was a friend of mine that took me out to lunch, and he slid an envelope across the table and says, this is just something I want to bless you with. Opened it up. It was a check for $1,000. I'm like, "Woo! praise the Lord. I've got $1,000 faith now. Praise God. Well, then I said, well, if I got $1,000 faith, then I'm going to up my faith level. I said, God, I thank you for a one-time gift of $5,000. We were pastoring at this time. And I said, God, I thank you that somebody's just going to bless the ministry for $5,000. And back then, when we first started the ministry, that seemed like a huge number. Well, one day there was somebody in the church that said, you know what? I want to bless the church for, with a check for $5,000. I'm like, whoo, come on, somebody. I'm like, well, it's time to up it up again. I said, God, I thank you for a check. Somebody's going to bless the ministry with $10,000, just one-time gift. That's happened. I said, well, if that's happened now, God, we're just going to double it again, and so we're believing God for $20,000. That happened. So... It's up to $50,000 now. God, thank you for a one-time gift. Somebody, now don't feel pressure. I'm not talking to you. If you feel God talking to you, that's all right. But listen, no pressure on you. I just know that there's going to be somebody that will hear God somewhere in the world. And God will speak to their heart and they'll send a check to the ministry for $50,000. Why? Because God is faithful. And he's endeavoring to stretch our faith to go to that next level and to think higher. Amen? Let's stop limiting God in 2023 because God's faithful and we're blessed. Amen? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this opportunity to share the word of God. I pray that, Lord, it stirred the hearts of people to trust you, not to resent man, but, Lord, to trust you, to, to be encouraged by the word, not be enticed by fancy words of speaking, but by the word of God, compelled to trust you and believe God for the best. For we are your blessed kids, and we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. 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 And with that, we come to the end of this episode. 
We hope that you have found inspiration and encouragement in our discussion today, and we invite you to join us again next week. Let's make 2023 a year of growth and love by sharing the message of our church with others. We encourage you to take the plus one challenge this week and invite someone to join you at our next worship service. You can get more information about our church and say hi to us anytime from our website or social media, all online at gvchurch.tv. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.